Alright, hello, hello everyone, welcome back to the Dylan and Dylan Show presented by Television Sports. Today is Friday, December 2nd, we are officially into the final month of 2022, the college football regular season is over, things are starting to get starting to get a lot of fun here as the, the, the football season starts to wrap up and the basketball season really starts to get going. DJ Dylan Jesperson here in the great state of Michigan, uh, joined as always by DHD Dylan Holt in the great state of Kentucky. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Um, this past weekend, while everybody else is on the couch watching a great final weekend of college football, I hit the road. I went to Nashville and I got to see Tennessee finish their first 10 win regular season since I was six years old. And it was awesome. I, I loved every second of it. Vanderbilt Stadium is not a very big stadium, but it was painted orange on Saturday night. And it was an absolute blast. I, I had a great time doing that and just getting to watch Joe Milton and the boys take care of business. After giving up the defense, Joe Milton doesn't play defense. He probably could if he wanted to. Great athlete. You know that. Um, the defense, after giving up 63 points to South Carolina, an embarrassing loss, a loss that's going to keep Tennessee from getting to the playoff. Oh, my God. I, I will talk about that plenty for the next years. Um, the defense bounced back. Didn't give up a single point to Vanderbilt on their senior night, and I thought that was really, really impressive. So I was really, really happy with how the balls bounced back. And then on Sunday, I was talking so highly about the Titans last week. Joe Burrow owns the Tennessee Titans. He's 3-0 and in his career against the Titans. I imagine it's going to be that way for a long, long time because it's Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, all those things. And then my last thing, it's already it's already December. It feels like this year like just started, and it's December. So I, I that blows my mind. But it is what it is. I'm doing really well. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing tremendous. I usually say pretty good. I'm doing tremendous, as many of you might expect. Uh, I'm going to get into it in this week in sports. But let me put it this way, and I told DH right before we got on, for every hour I've been awake, uh, since Saturday, I, at least 20 minutes of each hour has been spent consuming Michigan Ohio State content. I'm so happy. I'm maybe happier than I was after last year's win. I'm really excited to hop on here and talk about it. But we're going to get going the way we usually do with the out of the box draft uh it's college basketball season we're getting into the thick of some really good games there's a lot of really good games scheduled for these next couple of weeks uh and with that we're getting into our kind of our thick of our previews going on uh we're getting uh with the out of the box draft this week we're drafting a starting five of college basketball players currently uh playing college basketball a little uh, preview of who we think are going to be the best players uh, who are playing some good basketball already this season, but uh, who we think are, are going to be the names to watch uh, throughout the year. Uh, I do have, yeah, I got a coin right here. And it is a woman man killer. It's nice when you've got like multiple laying around. Every time I find them now, I'm just, uh, I'm just putting them next to my desk and having them ready. It's a heads. It's your choice. I'll give you the first pick. Okay. With my first pick, I am going to uh, take a little bit uh, of a, an interesting pick and see how you go with it. Uh, probably not interesting because he's the National Player of the Year from last year. It's Oscar Chibwe. But I'm going to put him at the four, I'll slide him down to the four spot. Uh, not a lot you need to say about Oscar Chibwe. I mean, he was the National Player of the Year last year. He averaged 17.4, 15.1 rebounds, 1.6 blocks. He shot 60% from the field. Uh, I think he is... One of the biggest parts, if not the biggest part, of uh, Kentucky's national title hopes this year. Uh, and 
you can have Austin Sheboy on your team, I, I don't care where you're going to put him. I'm putting him at four for strategic reasons, but put him at the five. Uh, I would put him at the three. I mean, I, I, I don't care. He's one of the most athletic, uh, insane type players that you can have. So uh, happy to have Oscar Sheboy uh, joining my team. I'll throw it to you for your first two picks. Um, I like that pick a lot. I When I was making my list, I noticed, at least for me anyways, when I was thinking of the great players in college basketball right now, it's really top-heavy with really good post players. There are some really, really good post players in college basketball right now, and obviously Sheboy's at the top of the list with some other guys that I'm about to get into. But, yeah, I obviously I had Sheboy on my list. He's the I think he's the best player in college basketball right now, just as like a he won the Naismith Award last year and just – his presence he's had since he was at West Virginia, she weighs incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I thought about picking him, obviously can't now. So I'm going to go to my center spot and I'm going to go Armando Baycott from North Carolina, a guy that helped us fall in love with the North Carolina Tar Heels. This is a Tar Heel podcast, no matter how much uh, pain and agony Tar Heel nation went through last weekend, uh, it's still Tar Heel strong. And Armando Baycott is a big reason why uh, North Carolina went on such a tear last March. It's because he's such a presence down in the post. We saw what he did throughout uh, March Madness last year. What he did throughout the second half of the season last year, he was absolutely incredible. He is an absolute just he, – he's a he's a gremlin. He's a menace in the post. And, like, there's not many guys, like maybe like a Sheboy that can slow him down. I don't even know if Sheboy could really slow him down. Uh, Baycott's kind of one-on-one, kind of like a Sheboy. So I, I'm excited to see what Baycott's going to do throughout this season. And obviously, he's got another guy that I imagine is going to come up in this draft as a duo on that Carolina team. They're just so good. So, yeah, I, I'm really happy to get Baycott with my first pick. And then I'm going to go ahead and get my power forward. And I'm going to go uh, opposite side of the country, going to go up to Spokane, Washington, to Gonzaga. I'm getting Drew Timmy, a guy that feels like he's been in college forever. Uh, but – the thing is, even if he's been in college since Christian Leitner was at Duke, he's been incredible the whole time he's been at Gonzaga. He's been a consistent uh, weapon at the four for uh, Gonzaga, and I, I think that continues this year. I know Gonzaga already in this early season stumbled a few times. I still think Gonzaga is going to be entering March Madness with like what, like five losses maybe. Maybe that's probably high for them. They might have a few losses, and that's because they've played such a loaded schedule this year. That's okay. Uh, Drew Timmy's a guy that has all this veteran leadership. He's going to lead Gonzaga to another conference championship. They're going to be a high seed in the tournament, and it's because of that stability, that consistency that a guy like Drew Timmy has with this Gonzaga team. I mean, there's not much Drew Timmy can't do. And that's, that's really, really exciting for Gonzaga and for college basketball. He's a fun guy to watch. And I'm really excited to have a duo, Drew Timmy and Armando Baycott. That would be one of the best uh, post pairs maybe ever in college basketball. So really excited to get those two guys with my first picks. And I'll give it to you for your next two. Yeah, love those picks. Uh, obviously, I had both of them on my list. And kind of where I thought you were going to go after I took Sheboy, because like you said, a lot of big post players uh, can't really leave them on the, the board for too long. Uh, and I'm going to get my last one, even though it doesn't. I don't really have to. You, you took your center, your power forward. I, I, I strategically took Sheboy to put him at the four so I could put Hunter Dickinson at the five, the big man from Michigan. Uh, obviously, my, my big bias pick, but... It, it, very fitting that Hunter Dickinson's going to hit, hit that spot. And my two top picks are going to play each other this weekend, in the, or I think on Monday, in London, 
which is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but Big Hunt has been just so consistent since he's been in Michigan. Uh, his game just doesn't fit the current NBA right now, which is just great for Michigan because it just means we get uh, multiple years of a guy that would be an NBA talent in really any other era of college basketball. He fits every other year, like era of pro basketball as well. It's just like right now you need pro uh, big men that can move. But, I mean, he is so consistent even last night in our loss against virginia we're recording this on uh, wednesday uh but 23 points five blocks uh people kind of underrate that part of his his game he's seven foot two and protects the rim better than uh, mostly everyone uh at at that center position uh and uh, he's a guy that is like almost a sure double double every time he touches the floor and when you've got a guy like that who's 7-1 who can get his own shot uh he's a you got to double team him basically every time he touches the ball uh, i'm interested to see if Shibway just goes one on one with him and how that that matchup's going to go in london cuz that's uh, like you said there's a lot of good post players out there and very few of them uh can be guarded one on one and that's going to be an interesting matchup to see how that 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 battles out but uh, i'm always taking hunter because i've seen him throughout these past two and a half seasons now uh he's a great great kid uh great big man uh and i'm happy to have him on the team uh i'll move and get the first guard off the board uh and it's not a guard heavy year and that's really like it's not just that there's a lot of really good post players there's not a lot of high elite guards that we uh you know would jump off the page usually uh, as we think in college basketball. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that is a freshman. I think he's going to make a big impact, even though Baylor just lost a couple of days ago. I like Keontae George a lot uh, from Baylor. And I think he is going to be uh, the guy that kind of takes that role as like, Oh, this is the most talented guard in the country this year. Uh, just looking at his stats, just to start the year, uh, and they've played some good teams. Obviously, Virginia, they beat UCLA. They, they got blown out by Marquette, uh, just, I think, last night, too. Uh, but he's put up at least 12 points in four of his five games. Uh, he's, you know, being he already coming into that Baylor team with high expectations uh, and kind of commanding that offense, his biggest game, 17-5-5. Uh, five and, five. Uh, and I think he's just one of those kids that's going to, you know, as – he gets more confidence. We're going to see him take a step from like if he's doing like what he's doing in the early parts of the season without, you know, having a lot under his under his belt. Just wait until, you know, he gets a few Big 12 games in there where he can beat up on a few because they've they haven't had a break. Really, they had Virginia, UCLA, then they had Marquette and Marquette's a, a growing team, a growing program. So uh, as Baylor starts to roll, I think you're going to see Keontae George start to roll. Uh, and we're going to be like, wow, that kid's really, really talented. So uh, add Hunter Dickinson, add, add Keontae George to the team. Uh, I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. Like both those picks a lot. And Hunter Dickinson was on my list. And I, I thought about picking him just to be ju- just to be that guy. But I was like, I'll leave him for him. Uh, I, I think he very much belongs to this list. And Keontae, I, I've watched a few Baylor games, and he's really, really impressive. He seems like one of the guys that's going to really flourish this year and end up being a, probably a high pick. Unless he wants to stay, because now he, college basketball is weird. We're we're getting these stars that might stick around for a little while, which is really neat. Uh, we're getting used to guys, which I, I'm all for. College basketball, I definitely think needs that, so people can get uh, used to players and get uh, familiarity with them. Um, I'm going to go to my guards now. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my my three position for my final pick. So I'm gonna double up on guards. 
My point guard, I mentioned him. I, I thought maybe you would pick him, but I'm going to get him. I'm going to get my other North Carolina Tar Heel. I'm getting Caleb Love. I'm going to put him at the point guard. He's going to be the leader of this unit. And uh, I don't think you can have a better leader than Caleb Love maybe in college basketball. He's done so many good things for North Carolina, playing that guard, kind of a combo guard for North Carolina. I think he pull off playing the point. He's just that kind of player. And obviously North Carolina puts so much trust in Hubert Davis does a great job of being like, hey, Caleb, if you're on fire, put that thing up. You, he can make shots from anywhere. And we, we've seen throughout like college basketball last 20 years, you've got guys where they get in these zones and they can't miss. And Caleb Love is one of those guys. And he's we've seen what he can do with Armando Baycott. So obviously you get that chemistry there. I'm all for it. And he's a UNC Tar Heel. This is a UNC Tar Heel basketball podcast. I don't know if we're a UNC Tar Heel football podcast, but I got to get Caleb Love. Got to get our guys uh, on my team. And I'm happy to get Caleb Love as my point. And then my shooting guard, maybe my only freshman. I don't know. We'll see where I go with the three. But as shooting guard, I'm going freshman guard. From Kansas, Grady Dick. Grady Dick is a guy that um, I heard his name before the Duke game. And I was like, okay, obviously his name sticks out because my mind's in the gutter and I'm, I have the mental capacity of a middle schooler. But um, I was like, okay, that name, you, you hear it and you're like, I remember that. He's really good. I Really, really good. He's a six-foot-eight uh, guy that out of high school is listed more as a three, and he's playing a lot of guard. And he's obviously got a size advantage against a lot of players. He puts up points. He's a scorer. He seems like a guy that is tailor-made to be an NBA player. And it's his story is really cool because he's from Wichita, Kansas, grew up a Kansas fan, like grew up his childhood bedroom, like Kansas stuff all around it. And now he's a starting, maybe the star player for this team. Obviously, there's other really good players. I mean, it's Kansas under Bill Self. There's really good players on the roster. But they've got a star guard and Grady Dick who's just putting up points. Uh, the only games he's really struggled – were Wisconsin and Tennessee, but that's when they were down in uh, the Bahamas for the battle for Atlantis, so kind of maybe sleep. Uh, he was ready for Thanksgiving break, maybe things not going so right. He's a freshman. that They get in slumps sometimes. Other than that, man, he has been on fire. He's done really, really well, averaging like 15 points per game. I think Grady Dick is going to be a star and a name that you definitely need to remember because he is. He can shoot. He can drive. He can do everything. I, I, I'm all about it. I I. I think he's going to be a really, really good player and probably going to be doing this for a long, long time. He, he seems like one of those guys. Yeah, I'll take Caleb Love and Grady Dick to round out my uh, guards and throw it to you for your last two picks. Yeah, obviously love those picks. Obviously, North Carolina podcast, love Caleb Love. I'll have to watch a little bit more Grady Dick's game. Not uh, too familiar with it, but uh, I'll take your word for it. With my final two spots, uh, I got to get uh, I got to get another guard. I got to get my wing player. I'm going with an overlooked kind of guy. I, I was looking down like a top 100 list, and I think he was down like near like 17. And I was like, wait, I kind of forgot he was around. How about Jalen Wilson from Kansas? Uh, the national defending national champions are returning their top scorer from last year, uh, and and it's Jalen Wilson. And I think it, he's proved himself throughout. He's an awesome player. I think uh, I, I'm more surprised he didn't take the jump to the NBA. I feel like he may have just been a guy we kind of just assumed was an NBA type talent. Uh, he was at one time committed to Michigan uh, and he was a, a part of the, the, the switch from when Beeline made the jump to the Cleveland, to, to the Cavs. He ended up decommitting and going to Kansas. Uh, and just looking at the talent, it's like, Oh man, <laughs> I really wish Jalen Wilson would have been in, uh, in Ann Arbor. I mean, he's uh, he averaged 
7.4 rebounds per game. There's not much to say. Jalen Wilson is going to be one of the top players all year. I think consistent, redshirt junior, older guy. Uh, like you said, college basketball has had a, a few of these guys now that are sticking around and we've known for a while, and Jalen Wilson's that guy. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, a really special talent for Kansas this year again. So uh, give me him on the wing. Uh, and with my final guard spot, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going I'm to go bias again. Give me Jet Howard. Give me Jet Howard at the two. Uh, he's more of a three, but uh, he's got the the definitely got the ability, the shooting ability, uh, and the movement, uh, the athleticism to play that two guard spot. Uh, and in a few games that I've seen of Michigan this year, I've been more focused on basket or on football than basketball for sure. But uh, Jet Howard seems like everything we thought Caleb Houston was last year, uh, where he can actually go out and get his shot uh, and create for others. Uh, in the way that we thought Caleb Houston was going to uh, a lot more. Caleb Houston turns out to be more of just like a spot-up shooter who, who uh, I don't want to hate on Houston as much as Michigan fans have kind of, uh, but I think Jet Howard is a, is a, is a real special talent. You're going to see him playing in the NBA sooner rather than later. Uh, he he can light up the scoreboard, and I, I think you're going to see a few games this year where you're like, oh, man, Jet Howard had like 25, 30 points, and and Michigan came out with a dub. He's he's a good player, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do in his dad's system for uh, a couple of years maybe. So uh, give me Jet Howard. Uh, give me Jalen Wilson. Rounding out my starting five, I'll throw it to you for your final pick. So what I'm going to do, I like both those picks a lot. I, I like both those picks a whole lot. Jalen Wilson is a guy – that I really, really considered picking. But I I, I was only going to pick one Kansas guy because I – screw Kansas. We're, we're, we're all about the Tar Heels when it comes to basketball. And um, so I went with Grady. And I, I didn't have Jet, but I like the pick. I like getting bias picks in. Because Hunter Dickinson, I don't care as a bias pick for you. Hunter Dickinson belongs on either one of these Quickly, teams. Quickly, uh, I didn't know this until I was listening last night. Jet Howard was almost a Tennessee volunteer. Uh, they talked about they talked about it last night, and they said because you kind of just assume he's going to go play for his dad, but apparently he Rick mm-hmm. Barnes came in and just blew the Howard family away, and Jet and his mom had to come back and go, "Hey, Juwan, you better do something just as good as what Rick yeah. Barnes did." So I uh, almost saw Jet Howard in the in the burn orange. Yeah, I Rick Barnes is a really good recruiter. I think Rick Barnes, what he's able to do is he shows the players that he's got to the league. And it's also just Rick Barnes is such a genuine person. He he comes off like a grandfather type figure because he is he's getting to be an older man. And he, he shows he cares and he shows he cares about his former players. He almost creates like a fraternity type feel where like Kevin Durant is still like ride or die for Rick Barnes, which I think is really, really neat. So I I could see where Rick Barnes could charm someone over like that. And I was almost about to not take a Tennessee player. And I was going to pick someone else. But you just – you reminded me of my, my love for Rick Barnes. So I'm going to pick a Rick, Barn, Rick Barnes guy. I'm picking freshman uh, forward Julian Phillips for Tennessee, former five-star recruit. He's awesome. He's really, really awesome. I've only, I haven't got to watch a ton of Tennessee basketball this year. But when I have, my eyes can't stay off Julian Phillips and what he's able to do. Last week in the battle for Atlantis, presented by Bad Boy Mowers, what a name – um, Julian Phillips against USC, a game that went to overtime, big, big game, 25 points for the freshman. And I just talked about Grady Dick, another guy that I really like in this freshman class. He only scored like nine points, and like, like that was his high in Atlantis. And Julian Phillips dropping 25 in a huge game against USC. And then very next night, uh, Julian Phillips helped lead Tennessee to a win 
over that Kansas team. So I, I think Julian has flashes of greatness, and he could maybe finally help Tennessee get over this hump of can't get past the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, hopefully lead him to back-to-back SEC titles. He's got that early on last year, you could tell Kennedy Chandler had an it factor to him. You're like, okay, there's a reason this guy's a former five-star recruit. There's a reason Julian Phillips was a five-star recruit. He's got that it factor. He's an NBA guy. So I'm, I'm hoping he can stay consistent and have the flashes throughout the year. Cause man, he looks really, really special. He, the things he's able to do, normal guys can't do. So that that's really really exciting. He's he's definitely got an X factor. I'm excited to see what he'll be like this season for Rick Barnes and the Vols as they move on. Because Tennessee's been really inconsistent. They've had flashes like they held Kansas to 50 points and beat them like a drum, and then Colorado beat Tennessee like a drum. So it's weird. I don't really know what to think of Tennessee. They could be incredible. They might not be anything. Who knows? But I, I think Julian Phillips is going to play a huge role in whatever they do this year. So, yeah, I'm happy to round out my team with him. Did you have any honorable mentions? Definitely a few guards. Marcus Sasser from Houston. I'm high on that Houston Cougars team. I think Marcus Sasser is going to be a really good player for them. Kendrick Davis uh, transferred from SMU to Memphis, and I think he's going to be a really good player for them. Uh, Max Admus uh, kind of lost in the in the shuffle of last year, but he's still at Oral Roberts, a former you know leading scorer of the country. Uh, he was still finished top five nationally last year. Uh, and Zach Eady from Purdue. Uh, Travion Williams is finally gone. It's Zach Eady's backcourt there. We're going to see what he can do. I feel like Travion was the better basketball player, but Eady is just such like a physical specimen that it's like he could he he might have a higher ceiling just because of that. Uh, so I'm excited to see what Purdue can be this year. Uh, any honorable mentions for you? Of course. Uh, I didn't pick any of my point guards. I had three of them down, didn't pick a single one. Adam Flagler from Baylor is awesome. Uh, Tiger Campbell from UCLA, love him just for his name. He has flashes. He's he's kind of inconsistent, but that's okay. Tiger Campbell is hardened by veteran leadership and just has so much experience behind his belt. Juice Hill obviously transferred from Murray, now at LSU. I, I love all the guys that transferred from Murray to LSU. I had Trey Hannibal for the same reason, as well as K.J. Williams. All those guys transferred from Murray to LSU, and I wish them all the best. Um, you mentioned a lot, all the guys you mentioned, I had on my, my list as well. Trace Jackson Davis in Indiana, I think definitely deserves to be an honorable mention. I was going to pick him as my three and I was like, ah, I don't, I don't really know if he could play the three, uh, DJ Burns at Murray. It doesn't belong on this list, but I think he deserves to be honorable mention because he's the heart and soul of Murray. And I, I think Murray could have a pretty good year in a conference that's dominated by Drake. I think Murray might be the number two team. And DJ Burns is going to be a huge reason if they're able to topple Drake. So I, I want to give DJ Burns a shout-out. And that, that's my whole list. I had Zach Eady also. Zach Eady's the one that I was like, man, I, I don't want to pick him over Baycott or Timmy. I don't know what to do with him. But, yeah, Eady, Eady's definitely – I think it was the next guy of all the big guys we picked. Yeah, Eady, I think, in most other years would be the top big guy, like, without question. But there's just so many. I mean, you talk, you said Baycott. Uh, I mean, Hunter Dickinson. There's just so many. There's, I mean, Hunter Dickinson and Edie are in the same conference. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how many good big men we've got left. Uh, but that's a part of, you know, they've stuck around for a long time, and it's been, it's been fun to see. So uh, we're going to move on to the question and answer part of the, set of the show. I'll throw it to you first. We're going to stick lighthearted to start it. Yeah, I was kind of struggling to think of a question, and I was like, you know what? Let's go to a good old, like, age-old, like, this or that. So I, I was watching highlights 
my brother and I, we were watching something, and someone was down by like a million with like a minute left. And I was like, well, you never know. Like, T-Max scored 13 and 30 seconds. And he's like, wait, what? And I was like, how do you not know this? And Witch Hunter is a little bit younger. He's born in 2000. I was like, but still, like, how do you not know about T-Max scoring 13 and 30 seconds? He had no idea, so we watched it. And he was like, whoa. And I, he just had no idea about T-Mac. I was like, Hunter, what is going on? He's not a huge NBA fan. Don't, don't give him too much crap. So we watched Tracy McGrady highlights. And I'll be honest, I kind of forgot how great T-Mac was. T-Mac's highlights are unreal. Like, you can go on there. There's a five-minute highlight uh, tape on YouTube of T-Mac. Incredible. Dunking all over people. I was like, man, T-Mac was kind of, like, disrespectful of some of these dunks. Like, dunking all over them. And it, it made me think. I was like, would I rather get dunked on or would I w- rather get mossed? I was like, which one would be worse? So I'm, I'm throwing you to the plate. Which would you rather happen to you? Would you rather be dunked on or would you rather be mossed? Well, I have an interesting take on this because I've been dunked on before at least a few times. I when I, I played high school basketball uh, and we had a couple of kids that could dunk, but mainly uh, my good buddy Nick Troxel. He was six foot four. He was athletic. He played the three. Uh, and he took every chance he could to dunk in practice when he could. Uh, and so I know it's a little bit more understandable to get dunked on. You just kind of find yourself in the wrong spot, uh, especially in my case. I was not, I, I got asked to play basketball my senior year. I wasn't, I, I had played basketball. I gave it up and then they needed bodies. Basically a lot of the kids had quit and I was like, yeah, I'll play basketball. Uh, so I ended up being like a scout team kind of guy. And it, when you find yourself guarding a kid, that's, four inches taller than you and is way more athletic than you. And then all of a sudden he's cutting to the basket and you find yourself under the basket. You can't, what are you going to do? You're going to walk out of the way. I mean, I don't know what you just, you kind of find yourself in a situation where you can't do anything, but get dunked on. There's just not, there's nothing you can do. You just hope your body somehow backs them, bats them out of the way and they miss the dunk. Whereas I feel like I've never I, I didn't play football and I didn't play defensive back. I feel like when your one job is to guard the pass, if you're a defensive back, when your one job is to shut down the receiver, you're only you're playing man to man, it's like I cannot let this guy catch the ball. And not only does he catch it, but it absolutely makes you look silly in the process. Just catches it over your head and makes it like, oh wow, you basically weren't even there. I could have just thrown it up to anything. I think that might be Obviously, I felt one. I didn't feel the other. But when I look at the two, it's like I can understand more getting dunked on because it's not like you don't have to be you don't have to even fail at anything to get dunked on. You just have to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I feel like if you got moss, you failed like something you were either in the in the in the wrong spot because you put yourself in the wrong, or you're just not as good as the guy you were guarding. So uh, I think in that case, I think. I'd rather get dunked on just because I know what it's like to get dunked on. It's actually kind of, I, I don't want to say it's fun, but it, you, you, you don't even realize what's happening. You get dunked on and then you look around and everyone's like, Oh, and you kind of like, okay. Yeah. Like, what was I supposed to do? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty uh, awesome. That's an awesome athletic play for a person to, to go up and, and dunk the ball. So uh, I, I've, I've experienced being dunked on. It's not fun, but, it's, uh, I think, a little bit less embarrassing than uh, getting mossed. But what is your thought process on it? So I did play football. I was very much not a defensive back. I was on that defensive line. But I think the one thing about getting mossed is, and I, I'm thinking, like, obviously, like, this is, like, in a game. It's not like playing seven on seven. I'm thinking you've got the helmet on. 
there's a good chance, unless you're like Deion Sanders, Jalen Ramsey, whatever, like most of the time they're just expecting maybe to break up the pass. There's not like super high aspirations for corners. It's just like, hey, don't let them complete the pass. And if they do, it's like, hey, make the tackle. So like corners kind of get the, uh, get a good break a lot of the time, unless you're like one of these top guys that has like a reputation. So if you get Moss, it's like you got the helmet on, unless like someone really knows, like it's just like that guy got mossed. It's not like Dylan Jesperson just got mossed. It's like it's like, yeah, he just got mossed. Like the the thing on Monday Night Football isn't like this guy got mossed, it's you got mossed. Like they don't specifically say, you know what I mean? Like it's not like you're saying that. Whereas like Brandon Knight's legacy is a guy that got dunked on. That sucks because Brandon Knight was not a bad basketball player. He made himself a nice crew in the NBA, was a good college player, and his entire legacy is him getting dunked on by DeAndre Jordan. That sucks. That really, really sucks. That guy that got dunked on by Shaq. I don't even know his name. So that might go into my argument with the Moston. But that guy that got dunked on and the thing came down and Shaq put his nuts in his face, that's that guy's entire legacy. Like That that sucks. And I think it's part of the – like basketball, you don't have – helmet on so your face is out there there's only 10 players on the team or on the floor at a time so it, it kind of gets a more personable feel that that's tough i remember there was a guy in high school that got dunked on and he kind of got clowned for it for a while by everybody i'm like that that's tough and then like you know like there's guys on the football team like i saw plenty of guys get mossed and because we we're playing against guys that are pretty good and um it's like well they never really got clowned like what's going on here it's because there's a helmet on and sometimes you can't see the number, and you're like, oh, well, whoever just got mossed. Obviously, if you're on the football team, you know, but it is what it is. I, I think at the end of the day, I'd rather get mossed. Obviously, I think it – I don't know. I think both of them would be pretty humiliating. It'd be like, dang, I, I didn't want that to happen. Like, I've been dunked on, unfortunately, playing like pickup ball, which was not fun, but it was like on an eight-foot goal, so it's like everybody can dunk. Um it doesn't feel good. Never been mossed like playing like seven on seven because I was never playing corner in seven on seven, uh, thankfully. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think I'd rather be mossed just for like the humility factor of it. Like you get mossed, it's like maybe they don't know. You get dunked on, they're going to know because there's going to be a picture and there's going to be all those things. I, I just don't think it'd be fun to be dunked on. I don't think it'd be fun either way. I think either way you, you screwed up. Whereas dunked on, you might be wrong place, wrong time. But I don't know. I don't think either would be great. But I'm going to go, I'd rather be mossed. Yeah, I think the Brandon Knight, as good of a point as it is, it also makes the point for my Like you said, Brandon Knight was a good basketball player, and he just found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I think right now, regardless, right now is the worst time to have either have happened with you because of the head tap celebration that has gone on now. That always comes out now, and I, I think you're just getting embarrassed regardless. And the the two two oh, little, and the two small, small. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, tough. I think right now you don't want anything to happen to you. I think playing defense right now is like the worst. Uh, it's the worst time uh, to be a defender uh, in sports history. We can agree on that. Uh, we'll move on to my question uh, a little bit more on a specific topic. Uh, we've got. The coaching carousel has blown up in the past few days uh, in college football. Uh, A few of the bigger uh, jobs have already been filled as we're recording this. Wisconsin, Nebraska, Georgia Tech, Auburn, and Arizona State. All those jobs are gone. Uh, uh, I think Auburn dropped the ball. 
and not hiring the guy that I'm about to talk about, Deion Sanders, who we've talked about for Power 5 jobs a few times now. Uh, uh, I've got a lot of not great things to say about Hugh Freeze, but I, I'll, I'll leave that as it is. Uh, Colorado is showing Dion a lot of interest, uh, but I feel like he would have taken it by now if he was legitimately interested in that. That leaves a few uh, interesting jobs out there. I want to know, Dylan, uh, of the jobs out there, do you think any of them fit Dion really well, and what, what do you think Dion's best move would be next? Um, I you mentioned Hugh Freeze, the hire at Auburn. I agree. They also, I also think they dropped the ball, man. I because it there's no even like murmurs of like they talked to Dion. It's just like they hired Hugh Freeze. Like that was that was apparently their first choice, and that's who they got with because Lane Kiffin stood them up. Which that that just seems like they dropped the ball. I think so far Wisconsin has won the coaching carousel. Getting Luke Fickle, man, he didn't go to Notre Dame last year. And he was like, all right, I'll go to Wisconsin. Like, that's wild. So I, I think Wisconsin's won so far. Nebraska did a great job. Dion would not have gone to Nebraska or Wisconsin. I that doesn't fit Dion's vibe. So I, I think they both those schools made great hires. The Big Ten is getting stronger by the day. So hats off to the Big Ten, hats off to Wisconsin and Nebraska. Auburn, they've lost the carousel. And in the fact that Wisconsin hired Luke Fickle. I think Cincinnati might win the coaching carousel because Cincinnati fits the vibe of Deion Sanders. Not only because Deion Sanders, if anyone's forgot, played for the Cincinnati Reds back in the day. That program just has a swagger about it. The uniforms are cool. They have cool players that have played there, like Sauce Gardner, who is a great corner. Kobe Bryant, a great corner from Cincinnati. This is a program going from the American to the Big 12 that has an identity crisis. What are they going to be? They can be prime times team. It's the perfect time for Dion to go from Jackson state to Cincinnati, a big 12 that's completely falling apart. And he becomes an automatic powerhouse at Cincinnati. I am all for it. I, I thought about it. Like when I was going through the teams, I was like, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I can see Dion walking in there. He's got that uh, zip up with the cool ass C on it. And it's like, yeah, it's perfect. Little Bearcat C. I'm like, yeah, it, it just, I can already see it. I can see his son suiting up at quarterback. That was their problem all year. They didn't have a quarterback. And he, they get all these guys transferring in. Travis Hunter probably transfers with, like, they would automatically be the favorites in the Big 12 next year. Like, it's perfect. I, I'm ready. To, I like. I'm ready to put a bow on it. Like Dion, get up to Cincinnati as soon as possible and get this thing going. I think it's the absolute perfect fit. I, I don't even want to consider Colorado or. I love you, Dion. Stanford's not a good fit for Dion Sanders. I don't see that. I don't see Stanford letting Dion be Dion. I, Cincinnati, I think they would. I, I think Cincinnati would be all in on letting Dion be Dion. South Florida would be a good fit, I think, because South Florida, they don't have an identity. Neither does Colorado. But Colorado, I don't think Colorado can get to the level Cincinnati can. I think Cincinnati with Deion Sanders can legitimately be a powerhouse in college football. So, I, yeah, I think Cincinnati is it. But I, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, uh, you took a lot of the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Stanford, I think, is, I like, officially the biggest job left open. But, uh, like you said, it's not a great fit. Him and David Shaw are complete opposites, and I – a place like Stanford is not going to take a culture shock like that very well. Uh, and like you said, Dion needs an admin that's going to go all in and let him be him. And you, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Cincinnati should give Dion a blank check and let him run their program. Uh, 
that is a program that was steadily on the rise under Luke Fickle. Uh, and God bless him. I, I think he's a great coach. I think he'll be great at Wisconsin. He'll be exactly what Wisconsin needs. He was also the interim at Ohio State and went six and six with a, a group of players that Urban Meyer went twelve and zero with the very next season. So uh, I, he may have been young and over his head. Uh, I still think that says a lot about like what Luke Fellow Luke Fickle's like pure coaching talent is. Like if you just gave him a roster of guys, I don't know if he can really do what I think Dion could do. Uh, and really like because he would not only take that roster, he would change. Like you said, he would get so many guys so quickly to come in and be that kind of uh, team. Uh, and that team really is a, they need a guy like Deion right now. They're about to move to the big 12. Uh, and I don't know if you've watched the recruit, if, if you guys watch recruiting the way I do, they are losing recruits by the minute with Luke Fickle being gone. I mean, it is, uh, they, they are in DEFCON mode right now. So they need a guy that's not only going to come in and be able to sell those guys that are already there, but he needs to be able to recruit those guys back into the program that are trying to leave right now. Uh, they had a really good recruiting class. They have a kid uh, out of Michigan who's an elite 11 quarterback who uh, is still probably up in the air right now for what he can do. Uh, and and I, I think, like you said, Cincinnati needs to pull the trigger as fast as possible and get that get him in the building, let him put his stamp on it and re-recruit this class while you know kids are hitting the transfer portal and all that stuff. Uh, I think, yeah, that, that would be a home run. And I'm going to talk about Ohio State in a little bit. Could, could Cincinnati be the team in Ohio uh, coming up if Dion is, is the guy? I mean, if you're choosing to pit, play for Luke or Deion Sanders or Ryan Day, I mean, man, Deion, De, Deion's looking like the better option as of right now. Uh, and you're going to the Big 12 that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. I mean, Cincinnati legit, like, we've talked about that. I think TCU's an awesome story. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't know if we all think is going to be running the Big 12 for the time being, for the next few years. I don't know who will, because I don't think they have a, a, a legit program anymore, like Oklahoma or Texas, that could, you know, easily make that way up. So why not Cincinnati? Why not Cincinnati in this weird time of college football where everything's changing uh get the guy that has made jackson state into this powerhouse in the fcs and, and go and you you could legitimately become a new program in cincinnati and, and kind of become maybe like what tcu has become in their move to the big 12 this is where i kind of see where it's like tcu back in the day was like that they're an interesting mountain west team now they're a legit program that we think of like they're twelve and zero. It's like I think that's what Cincinnati really could be. Regardless, I think Dion is that step that they need to take. I and I, I think we're both in a home. Like we we are in completely agreement. That's a home run. I think both the Florida schools, uh, if Cincinnati ends up going a different way, uh, USF and Florida and or Florida Atlantic, both could be good fits for Dion. Just because I think he would do great in a in a Florida system with an FBS uh with FBS type money and stuff behind him. But I don't think he's going to go to just any FBS school. I don't think those schools really turn him as much away from Jackson State as a, a place like Cincinnati could. He could really build Cincinnati into what he wants it to be. So uh, I think, yeah, we're in a complete agreement. That would be a home run hire uh, in my mind. Uh, and I think Cincinnati should be doing everything they can to get him up there right now. Moving on to this week in sports. Uh going to get into a fun week uh obviously i've got a lot to talk about but i'll throw it to you first you got soccer you got a lot of stuff to talk about so i'll just throw it to you what you got from last week 
I do. I'm not going to start with soccer. I'm going to start with football. I, I'm going to start with college football. And I know you're going to talk about the playoff. And I'm not really talking about the playoff. I'm talking about the rankings, though. And I got a bone to pick with the committee. Because this week's rankings, everybody knows the top four. Then you got five, Ohio State. Whatever. I'm fine with that. I'm A-OK with Ohio State being five. Six, Alabama. Seven, Tennessee. I do have a problem with that. Because why the hell would Alabama be six, Tennessee seven, when you know the head-to-head matchup, Tennessee one? And I wouldn't care normally, but it matters. The top-ranked SEC team goes to the Sugar Bowl. And with these rankings, Alabama is going to go to the Sugar Bowl. Or if there's chaos next weekend, Alabama is going to the playoffs. I don't think Tennessee should be in the playoffs. I don't. Hendon Hooker's hurt. This is not a playoff team right now. But with if if these if Alabama's just going to the Sugar Bowl, Tennessee going to the Orange Bowl, whatever, it does matter because Alabama will not have Bryce Young in that bowl game. They won't have Will Anderson in the, that bowl game. One of their top receivers has already entered the transfer portal. The this Alabama team that already underachieved is not going to be playing in that bowl game. You're going to have Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson playing quarterback. You're like you're not going to have Alabama, just like you're not going to have the normal Tennessee. But this is Tennessee's best season in a long time. This is going to be the biggest game for Tennessee football in a long time. So there's fans going to be going out in droves. There's not going to be Alabama fans going out in droves to be at a Sugar Bowl against I, who knows? I, I have no idea who it would be against. It would be a big deal for Tennessee. My dad texted me the other night. He said, if Tennessee goes to the Sugar Bowl, I'll probably cry. Because one of his greatest memories is Tennessee winning the 1986 Sugar Bowl against Miami with Michael Irvin and all those guys. It matters. Like I, The thing that drives me crazy is the college football committee talks about how much resumes matter and how much winning against other top 25 programs matters and how head-to-head matchups matter. If head-to-head matchups matter, then why is a team that why is the number six team ahead of number seven when they lost to number seven? It feels like we should be flip flopped, and I, I don't know. It really rubs me the wrong way because of all the things I just said. Like Alabama, if they're in the Sugar Bowl, all their players are going to opt out to get ready for the draft, as they should. I, I I fully understand why they would do that. So why not give it to the team? That's not going to have guys opt out. I, Tennessee is going to have very few guys opt out. I imagine one of the few guys that would, Jalen Hyatt, won't because he's like 20 yards away from setting the single-season receiving record. Like, I, I imagine he'll play just to do that. Um, I, I just really hope that if there's not chaos next weekend, they correct this. I hope they're like, you know what? At number five, Ohio State, number six, Tennessee, and send Tennessee to the Sugar Bowl. Because I think everything Tennessee's done, they deserve to be at the Sugar Bowl. They beat Alabama. That like Alabama, I know everyone thinks like Alabama's this unbeatable team, all this. They lost two times to two teams that aren't all that great. They they lost to Tennessee that I don't think Tennessee's the top four team in the country. I rode for them all year. I wish they're in the playoffs. They lost to LSU that sucks. LSU's not good. LSU got exposed last weekend. They're going to get exposed again this weekend. Alabama's not that good. Their best wins, freaking Ole Miss. And then Texas. Texas is 8-4. and four. Ole Miss is 8-4. and four. They lost to 8-4 and four LSU. They lost to Tennessee. <laughs> I don't know how good they are. <laughs> I don't know what Tennessee is. So it's ridiculous that they're just getting this blind reaction because they're Alabama. It's absolutely ridiculous. They don't deserve to be in the Sugar Bowl. But – it's college football. Everything's controlled by bias and 
that's how it's going to be. I just I, I feel really bad for Tennessee because they beat them. They beat the team that also beat Alabama, but they're they're just they're going to get um, detracted because Hendon got hurt and they got beat later than Alabama did. But it is what it is, I guess. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous the biasy. I'm going to move on though because I'm getting mad because I absolutely hate Alabama and I, I hate the biasy. Jordan Love, man. I thought he was like an absolute draft bust. They screwed up. I don't think he is. He he looked pretty good on Sunday Night Football. I didn't watch a lick of that game. And then I got a notification on my phone. It said Jordan Love's in the ballgame. I was like, oh, okay. And I got a little intrigued. And I turned the game on. He threw a touchdown pass. And it wasn't like – it was like a 60-yard touchdown. It wasn't a 60-yard touchdown. He completed a pass, and Christian Watson took it. But I was like, that was on the money. That looked good. And he ended up, he had a really good game. He led the Packers down the field on a two minute drill. And I was like, hey, this guy looks good. He finished six of nine, 113 yards and a touchdown. I was like, whoa, they might have their guy here. Like he did against the Eagles in Philadelphia in the fourth quarter. Like that, that's not easy. That's the best team in the NFL. And a lot of people are like, well, like Rodgers has been playing hurt. Are the, are the Packers going to move to Jordan Love? And it kind of feels like they should let Rodgers rest and maybe get healthy. From everything they're saying, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, they're saying Rodgers is still going to play this Sunday against the Bears. I don't know why. Why not give him a break? The Packers don't. I mean, I guess they're still trying to make a push to the playoffs. The Packers' record is not good. They're like 4-7, four and 4-8 four and eight at this point. Let Jordan Love play. Let Aaron Rodgers get healthy so he can come back next year and play, or they can trade him. Because, like, if Jordan Love is your future, let him get some reps. Like, he looks like he's, he might be ready after learning under – Aaron Rodgers and from Matt LaFleur, I was I was thoroughly impressed by Jordan Love last Sunday night. Obviously, very, very small sample size, but doing it against the, the Eagles in prime time on the road, I, I was very, very impressed. Um, and I, I want to see more from Jordan Love because I think he's a guy that a lot of people wrote off early that I don't think is fair because we hadn't seen much. He looks like he, he might be a really good quarterback. Who knows? Uh, and then my last thing, the World Cup has been absolutely electric. I've watched a total of three games. I know there's been a lot more, but I've watched three games. And it's all been Team USA. It's all been red, white, and blue, stars and stripes. And I've had a blast. I've had an absolute blast watching three soccer games. Uh, I'm a fan of the beautiful game when Team USA is playing. And, I I mean, it's just been been a blast. The Wales game, Team USA show won. Tim Weah's goal was beautiful. Weah scored, and I thought, I was like, hey, I've watched soccer a few times. One to nothing, that's plenty. They're going to win. And Wales hadn't looked good on their attack. Wales was bailed out by a penalty. Gareth Bale, one of the best players in the world, sent it in, and they tied in the first game. And I was like, man, that sucks. That should have been a win. And then on Black Friday, Team USA England obviously had all the motion, all the eyes on social media were on it. You have the rivalry, obviously on the field, off the field, all the things going into this. It was a lot of fun. For a 0-0 tie, ton of fun. Because it was like pins and needles the whole time. Because England had a great attack. USA, man, they bounced back in that game. They It felt like they are on their heels for so long in that game. I'm like, you know what? We're the red, white, and blue, baby. We ain't got to take this. They went on the attack. They started to get aggressive in that game, and it was really, really cool to see. England, they acted like England. They got on their heels, and they, they couldn't handle the aggression of the United States, just like 1776. But it is what it is. And the tie. We we needed the time that game. We got the time the game, and it all came down to the game against Iran uh, yesterday. While we were recruiting on Wednesday, uh, on Tuesday, 
oh my goodness. I had so much fun watching that game. And I was so nervous. It felt like I was watching my favorite team because it is my favorite team at this point. I'm so invested. Uh, that game had so much going on with it. I don't know if you saw this, but um, Tyler Adams, the captain of Team USA, was called out by Iranian um, reporters for mispronouncing the country's name. And he asked about the discrimination in the United States. All these things, like asking if Tyler Adams was comfortable playing for a country like the United States that has so much discrimination going into it. If you haven't seen Tyler Adams answer, I'm not going to try to replicate it because I cannot do it service. Tyler Adams is a young man. He's 24 years old and he represented the United States better than any politician in this country has in a long, long time. I am damn proud that Tyler Adams is the captain of Team USA because he represented every single one of us beautifully. And he went out there yesterday and played magnificently. He he and Christian Pulisic led Team USA to win. Christian Pulisic, Captain America, the man, scored a goal right before the half, 1-0. Team USA was able to hold it out to the end. They won the game. We're in the golden age of soccer in the United States of America. We're moving on to the knockout stages this Saturday, uh, tomorrow, when you're listening. Playing the Netherlands. And I, I'm ready to watch the boys in red, white, and blue. During college football championship Saturday, you, you better be darn tooting. I'm going to have soccer on. I, I can't wait to watch the boys and everybody. It's the golden age of American soccer. It's soccer. Uh, that's that's the message that's been very clear. It's called soccer. And that's all I got for this week in sports. What do you have for this week in sports? Uh, quickly on the World Cup, uh, I haven't been able to watch a lot. Uh, I've watched a little bit of uh, Team USA. I've seen zero goals scored. Uh, but what I take away from it is I wish like American football was the thing that we took this seriously because could you imagine going into a group stage for an, for an American football World Cup against England and Iran? Like I think that's the coolest part about the World Cup is like there's so much – like outside stuff about it, like England, we have the, obviously the history of being a, a colony. Uh, Iran, we have the a, a very tumultuous political history, recent political history, uh, and then Wales and England. I mean, obviously that's that is one of the I mean greatest rivalries of all time between those two. So can you imagine what that would look like if they were like college football teams going at it? That would be so much fun. Uh, speaking of college football and speaking of rivalries, uh, there was a really big game this weekend, the Michigan Ohio State game, uh, and. Uh, I'm going to spend, I think, all of my time mostly. I'm going to talk about the playoff a little bit, but I'm going to talk about – I've been dying to talk about this game uh, ever since it happened. Uh, I've got a list of things I'm going to go through. Uh, I'd like to point out a few things I've been right about, not just last week heading into this game, but all year on this entire podcast. Uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, even Michigan fans thought if Blake Corum couldn't go – uh, there was no chance we could win. I said uh, partly that, uh, but there was another part about that. If Donovan Edwards couldn't go, uh, he also that would also play into it. If it was C.J. Stokes and Isaiah Gash running the ball, then yeah, we didn't have a chance. But if Don, if Blake or Donovan could go, uh, then we really had a chance. The Don went. Uh, the Don is now a legend in Michigan, Ohio State territory. Uh, I said this earlier this year. We had a conversation about it. I think college football maybe swinging back to a defensive-minded game again. Uh, we've gone through this offensive renaissance where, you know, Bama and all these teams are playing high-octane. They want to air out the ball. Uh, but now I think defensive teams are, are getting the upper hand again. I think it shows with the fact that Georgia's on top of the world. Michigan has beat Ohio State two years in a row. Saturday solidified that in my mind. Uh, I've said all year, Michigan's defense is elite, uh, maybe the best in the country. 
Uh, we showed that on Saturday. We hold the best offense ever to three points in the second half. C.J. Stroud looked pedestrian against our defense in the second half, uh, and we, we, to- we tore it up. Uh, with all that being said, Ohio State's defense is sorry. There is this weird narrative going around because Michigan's offense hit on big plays that the yardage doesn't count. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, do Ohio State's? Do we delete Ohio State's big plays from their total yardage? Is there? Is Marvin Harrison's 49-yard touchdown not count because it's a big play? No. Uh, the, we exploited a sorry defense better than any defense we've exploited all season, other than the other top 10 team we played in Penn State. Uh, funny now that that Penn State team is amazing when we're looking at Ohio State's resume. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? Like it's amazing that. Penn State's now this top 10 team that everyone wants to give so much credit for. When Michigan beat the sh- crap out of them, they were the, oh, Penn State's not that good. It doesn't really matter. Uh, now, when we're looking at Ohio State's resume, oh, Penn State's great. Uh, and the great thing about it is we exploited their defense with basic plays. It's not like we were running trick plays. We ran the one pop pass with the running back over the top. We, Cornelius Johnson's first touchdown was a hitch route that we just beat the defense. The second one was a, a, a post-corner route that we beat the defense. Both of the Don's big touchdown runs, go back and look the, at the replay. It was a simple inside zone handoff, the simplest of run plays. And they sent zero blitzes. They sold out to stop the run, and he just ran right past them. Our offensive line just bodied seven guys running at the offensive line, and we just bodied them and ran right past them. Uh, we made them look silly. Uh this season has maybe been one of the weirder seasons in college football in a while. In a while, I feel like it's muddied the water for a lot of people and what we think of. College. Like we don't know. Like how, how is Alabama losing two games? Ohio State got crushing, and Clemson is a a sorry team. What's happening? I think Saturday clarified all of it to me. You know what wins football games? It's not flashy skill receivers. It's not the awesome quarterbacks that are going to get drafted number one or overall or having a million five-star players at every position. Winning college football games, and football games in general, comes down to winning the line of scrimmage and playing solid defense. That's it. If you do those things, you're going to win more games than you lose. Uh, Alabama, in their heyday, that's what they did. They used to have the best tackle, they had the best guard, and the best center, all on their offensive line. And they would have an elite defense. And they had... Guys like Greg McElroy and Parker McCarron go out and play quarterback, and they were those were the Alabama teams that were scary. Those were the teams that I didn't want to play. Uh, and Georgia's taken their place. Georgia's now doing what Alabama used to do because Saban got lost and confused in this offensive game, the way Ohio State has, and the way uh, a lot of teams have, where it's they got so concerned about wanting to score a million points on teams like Michigan State and Rutgers that they forgot what wins football games against good teams and it's winning the line of scrimmage it's playing good defense uh i've said it all year i raved about jj all since last year uh i think if he plays down the stretch like this michigan can compete with anyone i've never believed so hard that my team can win a national championship i have no fear of tcu or usc uh i i think tcu is a cool story i think we're way better than them caleb williams has been awesome i think he's the shoe in heisman trophy winner at this point Their defense is sorry, too. I mean, Ohio State's defense statistically is insanely better than USC's defense. We would run, we might hang 100 on them, especially if Blake Corum is healthy. I mean, that defense is so bad. Uh, So 
I legitimately think if it, it's it's going to come down to Michigan and Georgia in the national championship game, uh, uh, or funny enough, and we talked about it, if Ohio State got a second chance, I do think that game might be played a little bit differently. Even though we beat them on the road, I do think if you gave them a second chance, it might be a little bit different, which gets me into my only point that's a little bit off of this. I think the playoffs should be set regardless of what happens this weekend. I really don't care what happens in these conference championship games because even if USC or TCU were to lose, why am I going to go give their spot to a team that's sitting at home this weekend? Like, why does Ohio State get to back into the playoff because TCU played a game and lost or USC played a game and lost? I think certainly TCU, TCU should be in regardless if they lose to Kansas State. I think at 12-1, and they should get in over an 11-1 team. Honestly, USC is more on the brink, obviously, because they're playing Utah, the team they already lost to. They could lose their second game. I think even if they lost, who cares? Like, uh, as long as they didn't get obliterated by Utah, I think they're still are more deserving than the team like Ohio State who didn't make their conference championship game or Alabama who has two losses or, sorry to say it, Tennessee who has two losses and didn't make their conference championship game either. Um, at that point, though, who cares for Michigan? Uh, I don't think we could lose to Purdue. Um, I we could we honestly could lose to Purdue and still make it in. I think Michigan and Georgia both are playing with house money this weekend. Uh, but at, that being said, I think we're miles ahead of where Purdue is. We should be able to win, even if Corum and Edwards sat this weekend. My sights are set on the playoffs. I told my friends this week. I think our coaching staff, Harbaugh, Jesse Minner, Matt Weiss, Sharon Moore. I think we came into the season with a general game plan for every other team. And we have two other game plans, the Ohio state game that we just bodied them with. And we have a Georgia game plan ready to go from last year, because we saw it takes a little bit more to beat a team that like Georgia, you, you have to be ready for that team uh, weeks ahead, not just uh, preparing for them because you, you lucked your way into the playoffs. So uh, I'm hoping uh, that I'm right. And that we have a special game plan ready for them. And if we do, get to see Georgia in the national title game. I really think we have a real shot. And I can't even believe I'm saying that like two years ago, uh, the COVID year, Michigan went one and six. Like we were done. Like I thought Harbaugh was going to get fired. And, and all of a sudden we might be taking Ohio state's place. I mean, go if you want, I I've talked about this. One of my favorite things is listening to losing fan bases after, uh, you know, after they lose, Ohio State's fan base is in shambles. They don't know what to do. They might fire. They want to fire Ryan Day, the dude that's lost two Big Ten games in his career at this point. Uh, it, it's amazing. I'm so happy. I'm going to keep watching Michigan Ohio State highlights for the rest of the week until we get to Michigan Purdue this weekend. Uh, I'm so excited. I love college football, and this has been an awesome season. And, and I'm really excited to get into the rest of it. Speaking of which, let's get into our picks. We're getting into the conference championship games this weekend. Uh, we're going to be picking all five of the Power Five conference championship games, as well as the American conference championship game. We will start there. We've got an awesome matchup between Tulane and UCF. UCF won 38-31 just a couple of weeks ago. Dylan, who do you like in that one? So, this is a fun one, the American championship. I, I I think this is the only game that I have on my notes that I didn't pick a winner. So I'm going to talk my way through it. So like you said, nine and three, number 22 UCF going to number 18 Tulane, 10 and two. A few weeks ago, like two weeks ago on November 12th, UCF beat Tulane 38, 31. 
Tulane's really good. You said it last week. Um, Mr. Sharp, the running back, his first name is slipping my mind right now, is amazing. And he's, he's one of the best playmakers, not only just in the American, in the entire country. He's an X factor. Tulane plays excellent offense. And I really, really struggled to see UCF going to New Orleans in like two twice in a month and beating this really good Tulane team twice in a month on their home field twice. I just really, really struggle to see it. I really want to pick UCF. I have a friend that coaches at UCF and I would love for him to uh, win the American Championship. I just I don't know that UCF can go there and get it done twice in a month. That's tough to do. It's hard to be a a good team twice, let alone beating a a good team twice at home in less than a month. That's tough. And the one thing that UCF has going for it is they didn't have to play that grueling game against Cincinnati last week where Tulane's coming off a high of that. I I don't know. I think Tulane's going to take the momentum all the way to the Cotton Bowl. I think they're going to be American champions, have new blood as champions in the American Conference. Uh, Yeah, I'll have Tulane taking that one. Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I raved about this Tulane team a couple weeks ago and they, they made me look good by winning that game. Uh, two, but that offense is really fun to watch. They, they're a really well coached team. Uh, uh, and I talked about, I know I just raved about defensive, like how the game is defensive minded. Uh, when you get into like non power five games and games like this, a lot of it can come down to the offensive coordinator and that Tulane offensive coordinator, he dials up some really special stuff for their guys. I, it's a, it's, it is a lot of talent. They've got a lot of talent and a lot more talent than Tulane's ever had. They've also got a really good play caller. Uh, and I think you, you combine those two things uh, at, at an American school like that. And you got something special. I think Tulane's going to be really tough to beat. Uh, even though UCF beat them a couple weeks ago, I do think Tulane's uh, got the upper hand in that one. We're going to move on to uh, move on to the game on Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this on release day on Friday, it'll be happening tonight. Uh, probably the biggest game for playoff implications as USC and Utah face off for the second time. Utah beat them in overtime the first time around. USC, uh, if they win, likely in the playoff, uh, Caleb Williams going to secure the Heisman Trophy, even though he really doesn't have any competition at this point. Uh, Dylan, who do you like in the Pac-12 title game? See, yeah, like you said, last time they played on October 15th, Utah beat USC 43 to 42. One point game. It was at Utah at night. I don't want to say that was a fluke. I think that game was kind of a fluke. If you watch that game, that game winning drive that Utah went on, they got walked down the field by defensive pass interferences, by illegal hands to the face, by all these things. And I know that's part of the game, but man, it would get to a third down and there'd be a penalty. It always felt like something kept coming up. Hey, Utah still won the game. They were still able to get it done. It just felt like there needed to be like acts of God for them to get down the field. It, the same result happens no matter what, but it felt like UFC, USC was the better team that night. And it seems like as the seasons went on, it's proven that USC was the better team. Now USC has a chance to prove it. And I think they will. They have a lot of doubters out there. They're like, well, this team can't play defense. It's a traditional Lincoln-Riley team. Yeah, it is. It is a traditional Lincoln-Riley team. You know what traditional Lincoln-Riley teams do? They win conference championships. They go to the playoffs. They win Heisman trophies. I think you're going to check all three of those this weekend. USC is going to win. Caleb Williams is going to just absolutely put in glass that Heisman trophy. It's going to go ahead and get the – the the trophy case out and ready because he's going to have that tra- Heisman trophy in his possession and he's going to seal it up by getting a revenge win 
over Utah. So, yeah, USC Pac-12 champions. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't think any of these games should matter but because it's so tough to beat a good team twice. Like, uh, it's gonna it, the same for Utah trying to beat USC for the second time. I'm going to say the same thing about TCU trying to beat Kansas State for a second time. Uh, it, it's really hard to do that a second time. If the game follows the same script as the first game, I, I would assume UC, USC could come out with a win on that. I think a high-scoring game is not what Utah wants this time around. If you're getting in a shootout with Caleb Williams in that offense, I don't think that's a, that's a game you want to win. Uh, I think Utah wants to take Michigan's game plan from Ohio State this weekend and, and use it against USC because I think that's a very similar situation where USC's offense is great, but their defense is, like I said, their defense is sorry. They're like the 91st ranked defense in terms of total yardage allowed. They allow like six yards a play. Like that's, it, it, as long as Utah just does what the average team does against USC, they could walk down the field and score every time they wanted to. That's not what they want to do. They want to possess the ball. They want to keep the ball away from USC's offense. Uh, I, I think they'll be able to do that a little bit better. However, I just think, Coming into it, Caleb Williams is going to secure his Heisman, uh, and I think that's going to come down to it. If it ends up being a game where they're trading points, trading scores, I think USC ends up getting it getting it done. Uh, I, I kind of more just want chalk just because I don't want to see a team like Ohio State or Alabama back their way into the playoffs. So I'm rooting for USC and TCU to get it done. So I'm picking USC, uh, but I do think they will get it done uh, over a tough Utah team. I know I picked Utah to make the playoff at the beginning of the year. I still think they're a really good team, uh, but – uh, USC has proved enough to me that I think they're they're the best team in the Pac-12 this year. Uh, moving on to the Big 12 title game, uh, the biggest one, uh, the other bigger one that has playoff implications. Uh, Kansas State uh, had what was it 28 to nothing lead on TCU earlier in the year, and TCU ended up coming back to beat them, uh, taking them on again in the Big 12 title game. Dylan, who do you like in that one? So this game, I think, will be the best game this weekend in my opinion i think kansas state might be the most slept on team in america because they're nine and three and you look at those three losses they lost to tcu who is now is in the final four as we go into championship weekend tulane who is playing for their conference championship then they lost to a talented texas team that that texas team hasn't didn't have the greatest season but you can't it can't be argued that they're just uberly talented since losing to Texas, Kansas State played three games, and they were a completely different team. They were on fire. Will Howard became the starting quarterback, replacing Adrian Martinez uh, it, during the season. Those three games after losing to Texas, Kansas State went 3-0. and At Baylor, winning 31-3, to maybe the most impressive Big 12 win this season for any team. Baylor was not that bad. Kansas State being able to shut them down at their house, really, really impressive. They went to West Virginia, played a really, really weird game, beat West Virginia 48-31. to 31. Then this past week, the biggest game uh, between Kansas State and Kansas in a long time, they were able to beat Kansas 47-27. to 27. They've consistently put up points and played pretty good defense. I think this Kansas State team has improved so much throughout the season. I think Kansas State's going to finally beat TCU. I do not want it to happen because I think it's going to create total chaos. But I, I think Kansas State, TCU – They've been playing with upsets for a long time. I know they took care of Iowa State really handedly last week. They've been playing with upsets for a long time. I think Kansas or TCU has been. Kansas State has been just so much better. 
like with each loss this season, they got better. And the way Will Howard's playing, the way Deuce Vaughn's playing, I mean, Deuce Vaughn, I talked about at the beginning of the season how electric that guy is. I was like, you got to watch him. And still, like, no one talks about just how good that guy is. And the Kansas State defense, I know they gave up 31 and 27 to West Virginia and Kansas. It's got better and better. I think Kansas State's going to upset TCU and freaking Alabama or Ohio State's going to get in the playoff and they don't deserve it. And I hate it. And I, I wish TCU would still stay in it. Maybe they will. But yeah, I, I think Kansas State's going to be Big 12 champions, which I'm happy for because I like this Kansas State team, but I don't like the implications. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think this is the, the, the most interesting game because the, the first time they played, it was such a ridiculous game. I, I talked about it. 28 nothing lead and TCU comes all the way back to beat them. Uh, you're gonna. I, I mean, I guess that's not going to happen again. I mean, I guess the, a, a team takes a 28 nothing lead, they're probably going to be able to run away with it. Uh, I don't know if anyone's going to do that, though, and I don't know. It's just tough because, you, like you said, TCU's been playing with fire all year. I, I, I think Kansas State's a, a good team. Um, I, I, I have, I have a good friend that went to Kansas State. I, I watch them a lot. Deuce Vaughn has, uh, you know, always been impressive to me. But I, I think TCU is just a team of destiny this year. I think they're just the team that has had the breaks go their way, uh, and I think Sonny Dykes has proven himself to be a game changer type of coach. Uh, it, it takes, uh, I, I I don't know if we can understate how like hard it is to do what Sonny Dykes did when you take a team that was like in the dumps going like straight trajectory downward, your, their best coach ever had to resign because they like weren't going to fire him, but they weren't going anywhere. And you take that team and go twelve and zero. I mean, that's that that is one of the best coaching performances I've seen of all time. So I'm not going to bet against him. I really do think Michigan matches up better with TCU than USC. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping that's the matchup. So I'm rooting for TCU. I'm picking TCU. Uh, I hope uh, the Horned Frogs win that game. Sorry to my friend Mitch, uh, Kansas State grad. Uh, but we'll move on to the SEC title game uh, because it's uh, probably the least important game of all the conference title games. It doesn't even have the fake stakes that people wanted to give it when LSU had some odd shot chance of winning uh, or getting into the playoff. Uh, nothing's going to happen at this point. I guess Georgia would maybe fall like a spot if, even if they lost. Um, but I don't know. What do you think is going to happen in the SEC title games? Georgia by a trillion. I don't know if you can score a billion or a trillion in a football game, but if you can, Georgia might this weekend. Because I imagine this LSU team might just give up because they have really – I know they have literally a conference championship at the line. They have nothing to play for. They will not beat Georgia. It would take an act of LSU God. Like Coach O would have to like pull some strings for them to win this game. It ain't happening. I – I, they might not score a point in a, this conference championship game. I like this is going to be one of the most lopsided conference championship games in a long time. And I, I know, like, I might be talking hyperbolic, but I don't see this going well at all for LSU. Georgia's like on another tier. Like, this should be Georgia and Alabama. Like, that, that's how it should be. And I, I'm glad the SEC's taking steps to get away from East versus West and just getting the two best teams because, man, this is going to be bad. I, I don't see this going well at all. LSU. I, I, it was a fun story. They beat Alabama. They don't deserve to be in this championship game. They lost a, a bad Texas A&M team. So 
yeah, Georgia by a billion, a trillion, pick whatever point total you want. Georgia beats them. Probably doesn't give up a point. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think LSU was the just the committee's like, oh, we got to make the SEC wins look better, so let's put LSU up there and give them a fake shot at, at making the playoff. I just think the SEC is not that great this year, and I think Georgia is not uh, – I think Georgia is obviously the best team in, in the country and in the SEC, but I don't – I'm not, like, as impressed with Georgia as I was last year. I think they're the same team they were with – less NFL guys on their defense, not no NFL guys, but just less. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying none, but I'm saying they have a, a little bit less uh, in terms of just top tier talent on that defense. Uh, so uh, do I, do I think LSU, like LSU is probably the weirdest team I've seen all year because like competing with Alabama did not, like I had no idea that they could do that, but I also didn't think Texas A&M had any chance to compete with them. Uh, they also got blown out by you guys at home. I don't know what to think of LSU. Uh, Georgia's pretty consistent in what they do. They they're going to win that game. I just think LSU, like like you said, it could be like fifty-two to nothing. It could also be like thirty-seven fourteen. Like there was a point last week where Georgia Tech was like in the game with Georgia in the second quarter. It was like ten to seven. I don't think Georgia is like this the same world beater team that they were last year. I just don't think LSU is good enough to, to, to really hang around with them. So uh, Georgia's going to win, but I, I'm not, I'm not certain it's going to be the, the, the blowout that everyone expects it to be just because LSU is just such a, what LSU team shows up. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, Jane, is Jane Daniels even healthy? I, I cause I, he got hurt near the end of the game last week. There's lots to talk about. He was at practice Monday and he didn't have a boot on. We're like, we don't know what that means. So there's no telling. There's no telling what LSU's going to roll out at many positions Saturday. I think here, here's what I think. Georgia's going to score like 40 to 50 points. It's really just what LSU does in response. They might score 14 to 21. They might score zero. I think that's really at the end of the day. But Georgia's going to win that game. Moving on to the final game, the ACC title game, uh, two teams that have just completely fallen off of a cliff. Clemson laid an egg last week uh, and now are out of the playoffs for sure. Meanwhile, North Carolina has lost two in a row against Georgia Tech and NC State, uh, and now these two teams face in the ACC title game. Uh, who wins uh, the worst conference, the worst Power Five conference out there? Um, I think what you said about LSU they did the exact same thing with North Carolina. And I know they only had one loss at the time. North Carolina was never good. They were just beating teams that are supposed to, and they have this high-octane offense. Drake May looked really good against some not-so-great teams. And they were, they were able to knock off some other teams that were okay. Like, they knocked off Pittsburgh, who ended up being 8-4. and four. They, they, they took care of them. They were able to beat some teams that probably could have went either way, and then it caught up with them. They were, they were never a legitimate threat in this uh, large scape of college football and aren't a threat in the ACC. I think one of the worst things to face in college football is Nick Saban. A close second, I'm not going to put him in like 1A, 1B because screw Dabo. A close second would be Dabo Sweeney and Clemson after a loss. They're going to bounce back. They're come. You're going to come back with a fury and they're going to beat North Carolina handedly probably. Uh, North Carolina doesn't have a good defense. DJ has played well against not so great defenses this year. He'll look like how he's supposed to look when they play against good teams, but he doesn't. Uh, and Clemson will probably take care of business. Clemson's got a good defense. They'll be able to handle that North Carolina offense, and Clemson will be Orange Bowl bound with an ACC championship. 
I, I'm just happy we don't get another Clemson pizza party here. Uh, we got to cancel another another pizza parties again. But uh, I I think this is the toilet bowl. I think this is two teams that are probably quitting at this point. I think Clemson's whole season went out the door last week. North Carolina losing to NC State uh, probably looks the worst. Uh, so I I don't know really what to expect from any of these teams. I think given if they had something to play for, I'd pick Clemson because I think they're the better team. But I think a lot of those kids are going to be checked out. And I do not like Clemson's offense. I'm sorry. Like, especially if like if they if they make the switch to Klubnik at some point, then maybe. I don't think he's necessarily ready to ready for the job. But I've said it before. I'll say it again. DJ has not been the guy. And uh, at least at least North Carolina has a guy. I mean, Drake May, I don't know if he's like the Heisman that everyone wanted him to be, but he's at least a guy. I believe in him to lead a good offense. So uh, I'm going to take North Carolina just because I don't know what Clemson is, and I think North Carolina has a little bit more coming into this game. I don't want to jump into you, but um, did you know Drake May is the younger brother of Luke May? I did not know that. I didn't either. They flashed the graphic, and I was like, whoa. It makes so much sense when, like, you put it together because Luke May, North Carolina legend, Drake May, it seems like he's on that trajectory. They, he has, like, five brothers. His dad played football at North Carolina. Like, they have a whole May, like, clan that is just, like, taking over North Carolina athletics. And then they have a brother that plays baseball or played baseball at Florida. It's crazy. Yeah, that's kind of wild. Uh, yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I do – I think North Carolina is just – I think they're both bad teams, but I think that they'll just have a little bit more to play for. I think Mac Brown gets it done over Dabo because I, I, I hate Dabo. I'd love to see Dabo get another loss. Uh, finally, on to the Big Ten Championship game. Those boys in blue, the Michigan Wolverines, taking on the Purdue Boilermakers in the Big Ten title game and in the team you saw last year in Purdue. I kind of forgot about that. Uh, who do you like in the Big Ten title game? I have a soft spot in my heart for Purdue. It might be Stockholm Syndrome. I don't know. I, I met a lot of um, the Purdue football players out at Kid Rock's Bar in Nashville after the Music City Bowl last year. Really, really great guys. They, they like, just hung out with us all night, and we were all wearing Tennessee orange. It was really, really neat. They're really, really cool guys. I think Aiden O'Connell's a really good quarterback. I, I think what Jeff Brom does on offense is really innovative, and he's had a lot of success. He's pulled off a lot of big upsets in his career at Purdue, and that's kind of what – um, I think his legacy will be at Purdue. He was a guy that went like eight and four, seven and five, but he was able to beat teams like Ohio State or like a high-rated Michigan. He ain't he ain't beating this high-rated Michigan team though. I I, I think they've had the formulas of them. They've been able to do it in the past. They're not doing it in the Big Ten championship. Yeah. So I I obviously I'm going with Michigan. I I think. I, I think we're more talented than Purdue. The one thing, there's a very small thing that kind of scares me about this Purdue team. Uh, And it is Aiden O'Connell. Not that I think Aiden O'Connell is a world beater quarterback, but many of you may have heard Aiden O'Connell's brother recently passed away. He's away from the team right now. They actually don't know if he's going to play in the Big Ten title game because of it. If he does come back, I, I can't imagine playing with that type of emotion. But that would that, that type of story going into something like that—that's something that can really spark something different. That is the only type of thing that I think could be uh, that could bring like a Purdue team over. It's like uh, the Tyler Hunt thing when Purdue beat uh, Ohio State at home. It, it's like something that's bigger than sports. Um, so I. 
my prayers are up for the O'Connell family. Uh, I hope he's able to play. I don't want that to be the reason he wouldn't play in the Big Ten championship game. Obviously, I want Purdue to be at full strength. I want it to be a good game. Um, that does kind of scare me, like just because that's the type of thing that can give a team uh, the extra bun- the boost that uh, maybe they need to get past us. Luckily, I do think we're playing with house money, so I don't think it really matters. We we probably are in the playoff regardless, and I think Michigan's just much a better team. So I do think we're going to uh, to get to come away with the victory. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's something to watch uh, in the coming days to see if Aiden O'Connell uh, is going to play for Purdue. Uh, uh, shout, shouts out to him and his bro, uh, his family. I uh, hope they're doing all right. Uh, that's going to do it from the Dylan and Dylan show this week. Dylan, you got any final thoughts before we get going? I reckon I'm good. I'm excited for uh, all these conference championships. And uh, prayers out to the Purdue family and the Aiden O'Connell, uh, O'Connelly family. Hope everything goes well for them this week as they're together as a family. And hopefully he can play because he's a great quarterback. He really is. And his story is fantastic. If you don't know it, seek it out because they, they talk about it a lot when he's playing. But, man, he has an incredible story of perseverance and what he's done at uh, Purdue. So if he is able to play, that'll just add to his story. It's the type of guy he is. So I, I hope he is able to play. Um, and just maybe ball out a little bit against Michigan, uh, do his thing, because he is a really, really great player. So, yeah, I'll give him a little boiler up, uh, as always. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, here is where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan Dylan Show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find uh, Tunnel Vision Sports at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore on Instagram, uh, TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports. Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. We will see you all next week. Goodbye.